This is Brian Mayer, host of Hot Sauce Weekly, and you are listening to BCRN, all barbecue and grilling all the time. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. It is the Barbecue Central Show, talking about barbecue and grilling-related items of only the highest importance each and every week, doing it live right here. We'll do it live. And we are also recording for podcast posterity for most of you to listen to, to the tune of almost 50,000 downloads this past month of July. How about that? Bigger and better than it ever has been. And I appreciate both live listeners and podcast listeners. Podcast listeners far outweigh the live listeners. The live listeners continue to be my favorite. So pick which side of the fence you want to be on already. Still to come on this show, Emily Detweiler, the former CEO of the Kansas City Barbecue Society. We'll be talking about her time there, why she left. I'll make a bunch of incredibly... The, uh, incredibly candid and reckless speculatory statements, which she can decide to answer or not. And we'll go from there. And then we'll also talk a little bit of TV, perhaps. And of course, what she has left the KCBS to do full time. And if that might be in the barbecue and grilling sector, although I doubt it. So stay tuned for that. And then closing out the show, our pal Joe Martinez from Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue. As we go over top to bottom mayo as a binder on brisket and what end results you get from that. But not only end results, what start results? Is it weird to put your hands in mayo and slather it all on a piece of meat? Uh-oh. We're going to get all the down and dirty. It's going to be great. Chief C wrote a little earlier, I used mayo on a pork butt yesterday, and it was great. No aftertaste. Good for you, Chief C, but no pictures or no video, and not giving me credit means it didn't happen. But you got on the show. Don't forget you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and the Snapper Snaps, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch for video feeds, slash RD Rempy for a video feed over on YouTube as well, and we're also live audibly on Clubhouse. If you would like to listen to the show that way and not have to watch the show, a lot of people like to do that. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, episode 240, coming to you from August 2013, and this week featuring a discussion with old friends of the show, a pair, Michael McDearman, McDee as we call him, and South Carolina barbecue legend, Jack Weybor back on the show. All the way back in 2013, McD and Jack were on an episode of what TV show? Barbecue Pitmasters, yes. And this segment finds us talking about their time on the show. And if I'm not mistaken, this was also a highly rare occasion where I had a real-ass live in-studio guest. Michael McDearman at the time was on the Sam's Club tour. Now, for those of you that really go back into the history of this, especially the Sam's Club tour, it was the director was somebody else origin, uh, initially. And then Michael was doing, it was like the beef's what for dinner, uh, beef portion support of that. And he was touring around with Sam's Club. But he was doing a big beef demo on site and was doing all sorts of great things with beef, cooking a lot of great tasting beef samples and all this stuff, but he'd been a fan of the show for quite a while. Now, at some point, the initial director 
got fired under suspicious activity, and we won't talk any more about that. But he was a former barbecue great, by the way. And Michael McDiarmid was promoted to tour director at that point and had a great run as tour director before uh, that Sam's Club tour was subsequently lost, unfortunately. That was a great event. Loved it in many different ways. However, when he was doing the beef, there was a local Sam's Club outing at the Canton, Ohio Sam's Club, believe it or not, back in 2013. So Michael came with his big bull trailer and big pickup truck and stopped in front of my house and sat in for the show that night. One of, again, few, I can list them all off the top of my head. Uh, Doug Killily from Mayfield, Ohio, sat in live from a show, a backyard barbecue enthusiast. Michael McDearman actually might have been in twice now that I'm thinking about it, but he was here in 2013. Billy Durag Carroll has been live in studio in the show. Barbecue legend to me and perhaps nobody else. Barbecue jeweler to the stars. Stephen DeFranco has been live in studio. My parents, of course, have been live in studio. But very few visits. I mean, because Cleveland continues to not be a destination across the nation, especially on Tuesdays. Or you're on business on Tuesday and you can't get away to sit in on the show. But if you're ever in town you're a fan of the show, hit me up. I'm more than happy to have you in. It'll be great. Anyway, McD was on the Sam's Club tour. He came in, sat in, and Jack was on a Skype call, I believe. And I went out to this event that following weekend or that upcoming weekend. I got to hang out with, obviously, McD. Had a bunch of great samples. But the highlight for me was getting to hang out with the pitmaster, the late, great Robert McGee from Munch and Hogs at the Hilton, founder of Q39 Barbecue Restaurant in Kansas City, of course, uh, through incredible fame and accolades. And for a few hours, I was sampling turn-ins. That was the first time I had ever had real competition money muscle in my life, and they were incredible. Holding that aside, what you'll hear in this segment is some really great discussion and insight from two guys that were on the Barbecue Pitmaster Show giving their real experience very cool, so make sure you're signed up to the podcast so you can get it this coming Friday. Also, if you would like to hear a previous guest or segment on the show, email John and let him know what you'd like to hear. J-O-N at the BBQ Central Show.com. Coming up on the rest of, uh, coming up, coming up, upcoming shows in August include visits from Meathead and Robert Moss and Leanne Whippin and Mike Lang from Another Pint Please, Susie Bullock from Hey Grill Hey, Chris Young from Combustion Inc., the Embedded Correspondence, and much more. Working on a Michael Simon. He wanted me to screw the whole schedule this evening, but I told him, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, and For many different reasons, I'm not going to do it, aside from the show being booked. I can't get you the microphone and stuff that I want you to sound right on, so I apologize. It's probably going to have to be at the end of the month of August, but we'll work it out. So we were messaging back and forth. We're getting it reworked out, but he could show up here live on this show here over the next three or four weeks, and we'll see about that. I want to take the rest of the time here this evening to talk about a relationship for this show that has come to an end, and I want to memorialize it right now after an 18-year run, and maybe more. I got a call from somebody at the Barbecue Guru saying they were done sponsoring the show. No! It appears in a much less publicized move, especially given all the stuff that's been going down over the last week with Pit Boss, Traeger, Weber, Flame Boss picked up and bought the Barbecue Guru. I have no info on that other than the fact, as far as terms are concerned, no idea on anything as it relates to the transaction. However, it does not change the fact when you look at what companies stepped up to a completely new concept back in 2006, a little something called podcasting back then, the barbecue guru was the first one to jump in, did it with both feet. Few business relationships have spanned this kind of time, almost two decades. My relationship with the folks at the barbecue guru is longer than the one I have with my longest daughter by two years. Now, you might be asking yourself where the 18 years come from. Well, if you recall prior to podcast, 
I owned a barbecue farm, the Barbecue Central Farm, very popular, grew organically, one of the meccas of barbecue forums back in the day, um, not to be compared with the Barbecue Brethren and, of course, the Barbecue Forum from Ray Basso, but mine was very popular. I had sold it a number of years ago, but I owned that form, and I sold banner ads on the main page of the website to generate a pittance of an income. And that's where the relationship with the barbecue guru started. So tonight, knowing full well that when Bob Trudnack left a number of months ago, the show was on Death Watch, I celebrate and thank everybody at the barbecue guru for the support, the information, and most of all, the relationships that I have made within that company. I often say the difference between being a professional and not being a professional is getting paid and the Barbecue Guru was the first company to legitimize me as a real professional in this industry, and I can't thank him enough for that. And now we'll see where Flame Boss comes on at some point, and who knows? There hasn't been any connection made there yet, but nothing's out of the question. But I do know that the Guru will be missed, and their continued innovations will be missed as well. Good luck to everybody in Warminster, Pennsylvania. All right, Emily Detweiler is in the green room. We'll get to her in just one second. I will talk to you about Primo Grills. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot for high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. And a Primo grill and their game-changing oval design, the shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone cook-up that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. And if you really think about it, there's up to 60 different ways to configure the Primo cooker, so you're only limited by your culinary imagination. They have a pizza accessory insert. They have the Primo grill rotisserie accessory, a bunch of other accessories, too, that have just been coming out month after month. So if you're into accessories, we all are in this portion of the industry, then you want to check out all that stuff, too. Much like Green Mountain Grills, Primo only sold through dealers. So go to their website, primogrill.com, find a dealer near you. Check out all the sizes of their ovals and buy the best one that fits your needs. Now, if you need a round ceramic cooker for whatever reason, they have round too. I'm suggesting the oval. Be the trendsetter in the neighborhood. Be the king of the cul-de-sac. Don't settle for round. Get oval. Primogrill.com. That's primogrill.com. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram as well. And on October 13th, we'll have a live remote podcast, broadcast, simulcast on the internet cast with Nick Bauer and a bunch of things going on at their dealer event somewhere in Illinois. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back with Emily Detweiler right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Head on over to smithfield.com right now for recipes as well as tips and tricks from well-known live fire cooks like Darren Worth and Jess Priles and Charles Cridland with mouthwatering flavor, no artificial ingredients. Smithfield fresh pork is quite simply... Some of the finest pork money can buy. It's the trust choice of top cooks like me and other competitors for use at those competitions and at home. Smithfield.com. My first guest in the second hour, someone many of us know by name and by face, whether it be through her time at Smithfield, the aforementioned, mostly rec- or most recently serving as CEO for the KCBS for roughly the past three years or so. And the, uh, uh, let's race to the hotline without further ado. And welcome back, friend of the show, Emily Detweiler. Hey, Emily. <laughs> hey, Greg. How are you? I am absolutely spectacular. Appreciate you joining me this evening. 
and we have plenty to talk about. I am going to diverge off of the small game plan that we had set during sound check and dig into the meat of the program here this evening right off the jump, and then we can get into some other stuff just to make sure that we're getting through here. So we had heard, what was it, like five weeks ago, six weeks ago, there was a news release. Maybe it was longer than that. Everything's always like two to three weeks for me. There was a news release that had come out that Emily Detweiler was going to be stepping down as CEO, and this was going to happen by the end of July, which was just a couple days ago. So for the folks that are new to the live fire industry or they had heard about competition barbecue on the most recent Barbecue USA that you were on, and we can talk about that here in a few moments, but uh, how did you come to be the CEO of KCBS? Well, that's a great question. I kind of started actually uh, from my experiences at Smithfield. So, you know, for those who are new to the show, I was the director of marketing for Smithfield on their fresh pork side of the business for about five years. And that really led me to build programs in the barbecue space. As you said, I was a friend of the show. And one thing led to the next, and I got a call from the KCBS Board of Directors in 2019 asking me if I would consider coming on board. And after a series of interviews and all of the typical stuff that happens, I agreed to join them and, you know, really helped lead the organization into the future. So, you know, as you know, uh, the Wells family really helped uh, launch KCBS and Carolyn is still there, um, but more in a historian role. And so they were really looking for me to help uh, truly drive the organization into the future. And um, I loved my time there. And, you know, uh, it was certainly not an easy decision for me to decide to move on to something else. But I just had an opportunity that was amazing that I just couldn't uh, turn down. So anyway, I was there for, like you said, three years and obviously had a lot of great opportunities. And I definitely want to talk about some of the TV show because that was so fun. Um, but obviously also some challenging times. And so, you know, I feel very proud of the staff, of the board, of all of the volunteers, all of the reps, et cetera, uh, that we really were able to put together programs and plans to get through what turned out to be a very long time (laughs) of COVID. So, you know, in an organization where you're literally bringing people together, um, having something like COVID was pretty devastating, but we were able to to manage through that. And truthfully, that is something that I'm very proud of. Let's think it a little bit more, Emily. I've done the show for 16 years in some form or fashion, yeah. and for 16 years, some louder than others. There were always two refrains at the end of each calendar year, and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. Number one, judges suck. Number two, the board <laughs> sucks. So as you take over the CEO role, aside from those first two items that never seem to die, What were the biggest hurdles that you had to deal with immediately to get the ship pointed in the right direction that you wanted to go in? Well, you know, I think immediately we had some, we had some just overall business operation needs that needed to be looked at. And, you know, the way things had grown in the past, you know, how KCBS got to be successful in the past wasn't necessarily going to be what was going to make it successful in the future. So that was really one of the first things that we did um, was really looking through, you know, all of the business expenses and truly treating it like a business and not just, you know, um, not just managing it loosey goosey, I guess I would say. So that was one of the first things that, that I did. And then, and then COVID hit like literally just six months in, it seemed like. So, um, that really required a lot of planning. Um, likewise, you know, we worked on the KCBS world invitational and really trying to elevate that. So, you know, the first year I think was an interesting idea and something that was needed. And we just, we took that and built upon it to really help make it more exciting and truly a world championship. So, you know, I would like to say, I I know people, some people say the board sucks. I don't, I would honestly, I would highly disagree with that because in my experience, so in three years of working with different boards, um, 
I can tell you that they work really hard behind the scenes to try to put together great programs to keep the organization going in the right direction. And my hat is off to anyone willing to serve. And so for those who say that the board sucks, what I would tell you is get involved. So I'm all, I've always been a big believer in, you know, if it's one thing to make a complaint, it's another thing entirely to come with a solution. And so, you know, we had a lot of people that um, were really involved on various committees, some who agreed to, you know, put their name in the hat to go out and serve the board in a much bigger way. And to me, that's where the real change happens. So, you know, it's easy to sit on the sidelines and complain about things. It's much harder to roll up your sleeves and do the work to make a positive difference. And that is exactly what those committee members and the board members and the International Board of Managers um, and the reps, they're all doing that on a consistent basis. And so I would highly encourage people to get involved. As part of the issue here, I'm speculating now, and nothing to uh, not casting dispersions on the board or volunteers or whatever, but specifically to the board, are there just too damn many board members for there to be any type of real agenda to get pushed through because there's just too many people? Well, you know, actually, that's something that um, the board has been working on for the last couple of years, and they put it put plans in place to reduce the number um, each year. So the goal is to get it to nine. And I think that with the election this year, that'll get it to 10. Um, but the goal would be to have nine members of the board. And I think that's actually going to be a much more manageable size because invariably you're going to have, you know, some people when you get to a board of that or any group that's that large, um, you'll have a few people who just life takes over and they're not able to contribute perhaps as much as they thought they might be able to. Um, you get a lot of opinions, but I think keeping it to a more reasonable size like a nine is going to be something that will be very positive for the organization moving forward. So, you know, um, I think that'll make it very manageable and, uh, and really eliminate any of the redundancies, if you will. I don't know how many people know this or not, but you're actually not the first CEO of KCBS, there was another person in there for, I don't know if it was six months or so. And I'd heard from some folks that were pretty close to the situation, didn't go very well. There was an ensuing lawsuit to clean that up. Is that something that you also had to deal with coming in or had that portion more or less resolved itself before you took over? Um, you know, that had pretty much resolved itself when I took over. So that wasn't necessarily something that I needed to get too involved in. I'm going to make a speculative statement here, and you can answer however you want. My thought as to why you entertain another opportunity inside or outside live fire is because there are some folks on that board that were just too involved with day-to-day, -day, or they want to tell you how to do their job, or there were agendas to push. Too involved in the fact that the CEO should be able to make decisions and keep the ship or the vision running forward. In other words, there were people on the board that were just unrelenting to push an agenda. You finally grew weary of it. So when an opportunity availed itself, you were definitely open to listening. That is a wildly speculative statement, and I would say that uh, that is a bit overreaching, um, quite <laughs> honestly. No, my, in all honesty, my career is uh, is really just that. It's my career, and um, no, there wasn't anybody that you know pushed me out, if you will, or um, made me want to leave. Like I said, I loved what I was doing there, and you know, this is just I have an opportunity to really get back into the grocery world in a much bigger capacity, longer term. And that was what was exciting to me. So no, I, I genuinely appreciated and enjoyed working with everybody. Um, I think anytime you're talking about a board that's pretty involved, um, you are going to have some kind of subsets of, an, of agendas, if you will. But for the most part, those were pretty well well-intentioned. Um, and so, no, I would not say that there was like an overarching push or any individual that made me want to leave. That was not the case at all. Um, I just, you know, 
I still have a lot of a lot of progression to go in my career, and this was an, a really interesting opportunity in a large and growing company that I couldn't, I just couldn't say no to. Emily Duttweiler joining us here on the show. So now that you are officially out of the CEO role, give me a few things that are good with KCBS right now. Oh, there's so many good things. I will tell you the, um, you know, one of the things that was so much fun to work on right before I left was the Barbecue USA show. And it's been fun to watch that over the last couple of weeks as it's come out. Um, we got a call at the beginning of the year this year asking, you know, if we could help identify a couple of different barbecue contests across the U.S. And so in looking at uh, Michael Simon's schedule, working with the production crew, and then really trying to highlight some KCBS contests across the country that we knew had great participation. Also, you know, we were able to help provide some guidance in terms of some of the background of some of the teams and why certain teams might be interesting to follow. Um, and so there, were, there was a lot of behind the scenes work that we did to help put that together. So seeing it come to life, you know, you see obviously the teams you see some of the judges you it's just it's heartwarming to me um and so it was such a fun process to be part of and i'm i'm really hopeful that obviously the show does fantastic uh and they maybe pick up another season because i think it just it helps uh it helps with the entire sport of barbecue and so that was really fun you know other things that are good you asked me a little bit about judging you know, the J Cup, the online certification or recertification, think of it as continuing education. That program is really good. And we are getting, well, I say we, I still, it's going to take me a long time to really realize I'm not there every day anymore. <laughs> um, but hey, I'm still a lifetime member, so I'll always be around. Uh, anyway, no, the KCBS got a ton of great feedback, both from naysayers who, you know, at first were staunchly against having to take it. Um, and, you know, the teams like it because they like that the judges are more current and making sure that they are keeping themselves kind of top in top shape, if you will, for judging. Um, so that was very positive. The Johnny Trigg shootout, that has been very positive in Texas and a ton of fun. Um, you know, we had a lot of great involvement on that. Likewise, um, we had just launched a partnership with the VFW, Veterans of Foreign Wars. So I'm excited to see how that comes to life because many of the posts around the U.S. are interested in having contests at their post or likewise judging classes. And again, there's a lot of reasons why that's good for them and a lot of reasons why it's great for the teams and the judges to have more opportunities to participate for KCBS. So you know, those were a couple of the things that I think were really going well uh, for KCBS. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of great things that are on the horizon. And I'm just very excited now. Obviously, I'll be watching and cheering from the sidelines, but I'm excited to see the group continue and, and bring bring some of those things to life. Emily, what are one or two really important things that KCBS needs to either continue down the road with that's new uh, or that had been expressed and it is now working into something formative or they need to fix or tweak to continue to better the situation? Yeah, you know, I think um, the short answer I would have is just continuing to drive engagement. And to me, that means keeping people who are cooking today, keeping them cooking, keeping them, you know, cooking more often, and also creating programs to bring more people in, whether that's, you know, high school or college programs, or um, just other types of things. You know, the One Meat program has been very successful. Um, so just different types of ideas like that, that get more people involved. I would say that's definitely something that's going to need Need to happen. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, again, there's so much passion. I heard you even talking about it right before my segment with the old Sam's Club tour, you know, something like that to try to, to create another program um, to bring around the country. I think something like that would be an amazing opportunity. So those are some of the things that, you know, have been discussed. Um, and it's just a function, I think, of, of time for when something like that uh, is, is viable. A question you won't answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> What's the bigger bust 
the initial National Grilling Society project that came out a handful of years ago or the latest version of the National Steak Competition or whatever it's called that's currently in place? I'm going to say the National Grilling. Oh, yeah? Good for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's the one thing that you are most proud of during your time as CEO of Kansas City Barbecue Society? Oh, my gosh. To have to pick just one. Well, I'm really proud of the staff. I I have to say that. I'm extremely proud of the staff for everything that they did to keep everything going during COVID, particularly, and to still come out on the other side and to grow. And they grew professionally. They grew personally. They were able to help us um, grow the number of contests and things like that. So I would say that first. Um, And second of all, I would really say elevating the World Invitational. You know, I think each year it's gotten to a more and more exciting place for everybody who's participating. Obviously, we've also been able to grow much more meaningful partnerships um, with our brand partners that are part of that. And so, again, I take a lot of pride in that because I think that um, it's something, it's a model that's sustainable for the future. And those partnerships, those dollars are going directly back to KCBS. And so by as doing, you know, by doing that, um, we're able to put it into programs that mean something for the members. And so that to me is something that I am extremely proud of. You had referenced the grocery industry a handful of minutes ago. If you don't mind my asking, what are you doing next? Yeah, so I'm going to Associated Wholesale Grocers, which if you're not aware of who they are, they are a massive wholesaler that happens to be based in Kansas City. And they've got nine different divisions across the Midwest and some of the Southeast. And they supply almost 5,000 independent grocery stores across, again, the the Central Midwest and uh, the Southeast. So, you know, your mom and pop grocery stores who might just own one store. You might have groups like here in Kansas City, we've got Price Trapper. They easily have over a hundred stores. Um, but these are these are grocery stores of their communities who, you know, are really servicing their community members. And so I have taken on a role of executive director of category management execution, which is a very long, silly title, but <laughs> it means that I'll be working with the business team, the merchants, to really help drive those category ex- or category plans that come in and that the merchants work really hard with vendors um, to create and actually create the planograms and the mapping of where the products are going to drive the greatest profitability at shelf for those retailers, those grocery stores. And then I will also lead the teams that are actually going to go out into those various stores and set those shelves accordingly um, to drive that profitable growth for those stores. So that's what I'm going to start with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll be doing more things, but that's what I'll be starting with across the entire store. So it's exciting. Um, it takes me back to a lot of my retail days, even prior to Smithfield, when I was working with retailers all over the United States on developing their private label programs. So I'm excited about it. I'll have branded and private label, but um, you know we'll have these big category initiatives. So they just did a massive charcoal reset, for example, um, and we'll be working on some of the proteins and, and barbecue sauces and things like that. So as I have opportunity to drive influence within the organization and talk about barbecue and the strength, you know, that barbecue plays both within those categories and also as an opportunity for these independent grocers to drive connections with their communities, you can bet I'll be doing that. Well, we certainly appreciate the time you're spending with us here this evening. It's Emily Detweiler, former CEO of KCBS. And now with Associated Wholesale Grocers there in Kansas City. Emily, thanks so much for the time and continued success. Thanks, Greg. And I wish you continued success on this show. I was just thinking it's a much more sophisticated way of getting into the show than uh, eight years ago (laughs) when I was waiting for the call from Ohio, you know, on my phone. So kudos to you. Well, thank you. And thanks for showing up. Always appreciate the time. There she is, Emily Detweiler right there from... Uh, uh, formerly from KCBS, now Associated Wholesale Grocers, which is uh, huge. It's Here's another thing, right? It's like one of those things where you don't realize it's this big, but there they are servicing uh, really big independent grocery stores. Uh, there are some right here in Cleveland that are existing. 
You said Price Chopper in Kansas City, but Price Chopper is also in New York. There was a Price Chopper when I lived in Saratoga. Maybe that's not the same thing. Maybe there's two different Price Choppers. I doubt it, but there's probably the same thing. Joe Martinez is in the green room. You can see him right there. He's very excited. He's ready to go to talk about mayo and brisket. Before Joe, I'm going to hit you up with my guy, David McDowell. I got to tell you, if you haven't contacted davidleans.com slash bbq and signed up to take advantage of his health and wellness coaching, you're missing out. I'm now in week five. I'm down, what did I weigh in at uh, yesterday? 173. I think I went in at 188. The menu was good for me. I could stick to it, but I don't have to stick to it. But I love a challenge. I love the fact that I know I'm going to eat every day and I don't have to listen to what's next. I love the muscle programs that he's putting me on as far as weightlifting is concerned. And we do the weekly check-ins. We talk about tweaks to the menu if we want. We talk about eat more of this or eat more of that to make sure that my calories are right. It's not work. It's not a diet. It's just somebody holding me accountable, which is what I had talked about for months and months before I got on it myself, just to give it a whirl. It's working out great. You should try it. I think you would really like it. If you need a little extra effort, if you need a little extra support as far as getting into a little bit better shape or getting a diet that you can eat around, and hey, you cheat here or there, everybody can't be perfect. But he even tells you when you can cheat or if you're at a restaurant that you didn't plan to, Take a couple shots of the menu. They'll give you best options to eat. It's great. It's exactly as he says it is in the ad. Come on. DavidLeans.com. That's DavidLeans.com slash BBQ to sign up. Do it now. Tell him I sent you. Maybe we can do it together. We'll share shirtless pics of each other. No, we won't. No, we won't. We're back with Joe Martinez right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. We thank Emily Detweiler for joining us last segment and answering all of those questions, whether she wanted to or not. She did. She answered more than I thought she would. That was great. Back in the day, watches were made to be worn in the pocket. After World War II, wristwatches came into vogue, and the pocket watch quickly became an afterthought, finding their way into sock drawers and scrap heaps. That's a tragedy. Enter VorticWatch.com, helping bridge the gap between America's storied watch manufacturing past and bringing it to present day, where wristwatches are finding incredible popularity. And here's the coolest part. Each watch that they make is unique and one of a kind. Vortic founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled. It was built. Check out VorticWatches.com for more info or to buy. I don't know if you are all aware of this or not, but I invented this whole craze that is taking over the nation, which happens to be using mayo as a binder on brisket. Deuce Raymond tried it and loved it. Recently, one of my most loyal fans and listeners and watchers, Joe Martinez, a budding YouTube sensation as well, reached out to me and said he was going to do a video on it, which he did. It's on his YouTube channel right now for you to check out. But we're going to break it all down for you right here, right now. So let's go ahead and race to the Barbecue Central Show hotline and welcome in first-timer to the show and friend of this show, Joe Martinez. Hey, Joe. Hey, Greg. How you doing? I'm fabulous. Joe, what the fuck with Clubhouse issues? I've had enough of it. What's going on with that? Every time I go to you, no Joe, no Joe, Sam the Cooking Guy, busting balls at an incredible rate, and I've had enough of it. Yeah, no. What was that? I said I deleted the app. It wasn't working, so. Oh, all right. Well, deleted. good. Beat it, Clubhouse. 
<laughs> Before we get into the Mayo Binder recap, can you give us a quick background on you, where you are in the country, if you barbecue full-time, things like this? Sure. My name is uh, Joe Martinez. I'm the owner and operator of Smoking Joe's Barbecue on You. just my, my side hustle, if you will. I've got a full-time job, a corporate job of 23 years with O'Reilly Auto Parts. And I live in a small city in the far west side of Texas by the name of El Paso, Texas. Small city called El Paso. Never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We O-O-O-O-Reilly. That's it. That's the one. Man, I love those commercials. How did you find the Barbecue Central show? You know, I was it's back when I started on YouTube and you just popped up as a recommended uh, video to watch and I started watching it never did podcast or anything like that and, and I said oh this guy's pretty cool and then the guest that you had was you know was always about barbecue so I said man I've got to subscribe and watch Joe Martinez joining us here on the show the pit master of smoking Joe's pit barbecue and of course you can find his channel over on YouTube which is smoking Joe's pit barbecue as well so Joe you reach out to me not too long ago to say that you were excited about my newest trend that I've given the live fire barbecue and grilling community, which is the mayo on beef or specifically brisket trend that I created all by myself and nobody did it before me. So before we really get into it, is this something you had ever heard of anyone doing before or by chance had you ever done it before? No, never heard of it. You know, I've always played around with different type of binders. And when I heard you talking about it, actually you were asking some of your guests if they've ever used mayonnaise on beef, not brisket in general. And obviously I love to smoke briskets and I took your idea of trying mayonnaise as a binder. And I said, let's give it a shot. You know, we're always looking for ways to change up the barbecue game a little bit. And, you know, when I heard you talk about it, I said, I It's hard to not have any expectations when it comes to things like this. Did you have any, and how were you able to push those aside and work in a non-biased position? Because that's really what we're looking for here, right? We want straight-up information without any slants. Exactly. I was a little nervous, to be honest with you, because I've used olive oil as a binder in the past, and the rub just like slipped off. And I was afraid, you know, knowing that mayonnaise consists of oil, mm. that the rub would wash away. And I was wrong. I mean, it 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 worked flawlessly, quite honestly. So let's get into it. Give us the rundown of prep of the brisket. And then when you actually dug your hands into a vat of mayo or however you put it in, I, in my mind, I just want to see you like going in with two hands into this big commercial vat, slamming it down. But tell us how you did the whole deal from the, the prep side. Yeah. So as far as the, the brisket trim, it was my normal trim. You know, I trim a lot of the fat. I'm pretty aggressive on the trimming part. And, you know, when it came to the mayonnaise, I was, it was kind of weird. It, it was a big mess, number one. <laughs> um, and it was like frosting a cake. So like it really stuck to the brisket. I've used mustard as a binder in the past and mustard, you can see through the mustard and uh, be able to look at the brisket. Well, the mayonnaise was completely covered again, like a frosted white cake. So I was like, man, this is going to be interesting. And, um, you know, at that point I applied uh, salt, which if you've ever applied salt on salt or something white. You just can't see it. So that was a little difficult. Um, but then when I started applying the the pepper was the second rub that I applied. Like you could really see it. Like it, it was actually kind of nice to see that contrast of the black and the white. And then I applied um, some garlic powder was the last rub that I used or seasoning, I should say. And um, patted it all down, make sure I got the edges of course, and um, flipped it over and applied the same rub, uh, the rub equally as, as I did on the flat side. And, um, you know, it was it was strange. It was strange at first just looking at the brisket. Um, but, you know, I, I threw in my smoker at 275 degrees and uh, smoked it for four hours. And I got to tell you, at the four-hour mark, I hadn't opened my smoker, so I was a little nervous when I was when I opened the door. And like, what do you think in your mind? What do you, what do you think you're going to be seeing? Some like marshmallow looking brisket? 
Yeah, I honestly <laughs> thought like, have you seen a, a a hairless cat before? Yeah, of course. Uh, so that's what I thought the brisket was going to look like, thinking that the rub would wash <laughs> off or something. And um, much to my surprise, I was like, man, look at the bark on this thing. And and at the four hour mark, I usually starts to I usually start to spritz with apple cider vinegar and water, or just a water spritz to moisten up the brisket. You know, if it's drying up a little bit. So I looked at the brisket, it was really moist and the bark was set. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to spritz, but I wanted to give it two more hours just to build the bark, a little darker bark. Mm. And when I came back at the six hour mark to pull the brisket right before I wrapped it, that's when I was like, wow, look at the bark on this thing. And again, I would normally spritz the brisket with some kind of spritz before I wrap it in butcher paper. And I didn't have to because the bark was still really moist. Um, so I wrapped it up, popped it back in my smoker for two more hours, and it hit about 203 degrees internal, pulled it out, and just kind of opened up the butcher paper, let it vent a little bit. I rested it for 12 hours um, or held it for 12 hours at 150 degrees. The next morning, I sliced into it. And the I got to tell you, the butcher paper was drenched like i've had i smoked briskets in the past where the butcher paper you know it's it's drenched or whatever but this one was completely drenched in tallow and i've never had a brisket without adding anything to the wrap like tallow um that paper was was drenched and i believe some of that was mayo and some of that was tallow you said something that has completely blown my mind that we're going to have to circle back to here in just a second tactically speaking as you're picking it up when you put your fingers in it uh on it to pick up put in the paper like your fingers don't go in at all i mean it's set up otherwise is just like a normal brisket once you've kind of cooked through it and i assume it's just kind of for better of uh, for lack of a better term melted off yeah, the, the I'll I'll tell you the the one interesting thing when it comes to the rub and yeah, picking it up and you know, you kind of put your fingers on the bottom to check the tenderness. That bark was, you know, most bark is a little hard, I guess if you will, but this bark was really soft. Um like very kind of a marshmallowy texture, like a pillow if you will. <laughs> so that was I was surprised, but that bark was on that brisket. It was not coming off. Uh you, you said you held the brisket at 150 degrees for 12 hours. That's SOP for Joe Martinez that's smoking Joe's pit barbecue? Well, that that's something that's really common in the barbecue uh, restaurant industry uh, here in Texas. Um, that's how they're able to cook, you know, 150 briskets a day, for example, uh, to cook that volume, you know, and hold them in big uh, uh, food warmers, if you will. That's the only way that you can feed all the people that come to your restaurant. So I'm looking at opening up a food trailer here pretty soon. And I've been practicing that, that holding process for about a year now. And I got to tell you, if you guys have never held a brisket for 12 hours, I mean, you can put it in your oven at the lowest temperature. It's probably 160, 170, uh, rest it overnight. Your house is going to smell beautiful in the morning, but uh, it's, it's magical. I got to tell you, it is magical. All right. I'm going to have to give that a try uh, next time I do a brisket. Initial thoughts as you're getting ready to slice and taste. You had talked about unwrapping it. You talked the uh, the excessive amount of lubrication that this brisket put off. But what are you thinking about? You're gonna. What do you think you're gonna be tasting here in just a few short seconds? I was thinking I was gonna taste the mayonnaise, like hardcore mayonnaise flavor, the lemon, and you not necessarily the fan? egg yolks. Like, do you care? Do you I care love for mayonnaise. mayonnaise? Okay, so it I wasn't scaring you per se, or was it? No, it wasn't. Uh, I was just afraid that I would get a little bit of the mayonnaise flavor. Um, you know, slice it into it, number one. I thought that the the, the bark was just going to break off, you know, not thinking it was going to hold together. But as I started slicing it, it was beautiful. It was like the perfect slices. Um, and then obviously when I tasted it, I was, I was blown away um, of the flavor of that brisket. It just melted in the mouth, you know, the the flavor of the bark with the rubs and it was just nice and silky it, it was totally different than using mustard or no binder whatsoever it was a really good taste 
and no mayo flavor, just to be clear in case anybody's coming in late and hearing us talking about mayo as a binder on brisket. No mayonnaise flavor whatsoever. Again, the the I think the mayonnaise did what I was hoping it was going to do was really grab that bark and hold on to it. And it did a better job than I normally use mustard as a binder. Mm-hmm. But I think that mayonnaise did a much better job of holding on to that rub. And the, the results were amazing. Let's be even more honest with each other here, Joe. Is this something that you would do regularly going forward? If yes, why? If no, why not? Absolutely. I'll do it again. You know, as as backyard barbecue pitmasters, if you will, we're always looking, we're always chasing that better brisket. And, you know, along the way you find that, hey, this works better than what that, than what I was doing before. And now, you know, somebody had commented on that video that, Joe, you've got to make the ultimate flavor bomb brisket, which would be those things that I have found along the way that work. And mayonnaise would be on that list mm. of things that I would do with that flavor bomb brisket, if you will, like the ultimate brisket. Um, I would definitely use mayonnaise as a binder. What do you think the next trend in barbecue is going to be? We all know brisket. Uh, mayo as a binder for brisket is raging across the face of the earth right now. But what's going to be the next trend, do you think? you got your finger on the pulse. Um, I honestly think that uh, mayonnaise has not taken off yet, number one. I, I think that people are just getting a hold of this, Greg, and you will be sitting on a mayonnaise throne here pretty soon. Yeah, take that dicky paste. <laughs> Being the pioneer. Um, you know, the, the barbecue doesn't change much but as i mentioned earlier i think people are always chasing that better brisket and i think things will continue to evolve I think 40 years from now or even 10 years from now greg i think that barbecue is going to be different than what we're doing today i mean look how much it's already changed yeah. uh look how many more people are cooking barbecue in their backyards as opposed to 10 years ago are you watching barbecue usa on the food network with my best pal michael I simon am. i am i love it you Great love show. it Love it. Mm. Well, what do you like best about it? Um, quite honestly, we've got, uh, you know, the barbecue community on YouTube is fairly small. And we've got people on that show, like uh, Chicken Fried Barbecue, uh, that made an appearance. And it's good to see him. He and I started on YouTube at the very same time. So it's really nice to see Michael Simon, you know, uh, an awesome chef and and you know, taking barbecue and, and showing it to the world, if you will, the competition barbecue. Uh, Fred Robles as well is on the show. So uh, anything barbecue related is something that attracts me. I mean, and, and I think it'll it'll attract most backyard uh, barbecue pitmasters for sure. Any cool videos coming up you want to tease us for to keep us interested to watch the next release? Yeah, actually, you know, I just released a video today uh, use an MSG, um, and I invited a few neighbors to to try a non-MSG brisket versus an MSG brisket. That was a really good video, really popular. Just released it this morning, and it's got quite a bit of views. Um, I'm also going to be making a barbacoa sausage. Um, I got into sausage making probably a year and a half ago, and look at that the setup behind you for crying sausage. out loud. That's a that's a real deal sausage setup behind. There you go. Yeah, that's all my stuffer, my grinders and mixers and stuff. But uh, yeah, I've got a barbacoa sausage. It's going to be kind of like a boudin sausage Mm -hmm. where everything is cooked, uh, with the exception of this being barbacoa or beef cheeks, if you will. Um, And I'm going to stuff them into a sausage and smoke them and we'll we'll see how it turns out. He is a longtime centralite. He is somebody that took the bull by the proverbial horns, and by bull I mean mayo, and slathered it as a binder for brisket, and it has been nothing but success. He is a budding YouTube sensation, of course, so subscribe to him over there at Smokin' Joe's Pit Barbecue. Joe, really appreciate the time tonight, the breakdown of the mayo bindered brisket, and we will continue to watch you on the YouTubes. Thank you, Greg, and any more great ideas Throw them my way. All right. There he is. Joe Martinez right there from Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue. Make sure that you are watching him or subscribe. Smash the subscribe button and punch the bell and whatever the hell else all those YouTubers say. Do all of it. 
and then you'll be alerted to when the new stuff up. I guarantee the video he did this morning, everybody loved the MSG brisket better. Don't tell anybody this, but like for the last six months, I've been, uh, I use uh, accent, that's MSG. I use it on everything I cook, and nobody's any the wiser in this house except going, did you change it? Why? Something change it? No, it just tastes good. <laughs> yeah, MSG. But enough about that and how I'm poisoning my family. Head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com right now for all your barbecue needs. Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Big Papa's known for their championship rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in backyards. Offering 13 perfectly balanced flavors that transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Also, the owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for new go-to sauce that will please everybody, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavor will remind you of why you fell in love with barbecue in the first place. And aside from these selection of rubs and sauces, Big Papa's offering the very best cookers available on the market today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac two-star general pellet cooker. If you're not sure of what grill you need, send them an email. Ask all the questions. They will make sure that you're outfitted with all of the greatest information so you can make the best and most educated buying decision that you can possibly make. What could be better than that? I don't know. The number is 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or you can shop their website, which is, once again, BigPopSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A-Smokers.com. We are back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, we thank Joe Martinez from Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue for joining me last segment, giving us a full recap of the mayo as a binder for brisket. I mean, I'm not bragging here, but I just got a Instagram DM from CEO of Traeger Grills, Jeremy Andrus, saying that he liked the new video. Thank goodness. Hopefully no lawyers are going to be coming down on me. If you're not following me on social media, next week I will play for you the latest animation of the Barbecue Central show, which will find a portion of my conversation that I had back in February of this year with Jeremy Andrus from Traeger Grills uh, animating it. It's pretty funny. The actual audio was from the interview itself, but it takes on a whole different situation when you actually see the animation, how we uh, amped up Jeremy, how Damien uses his artistic abilities on me. and the. I'm telling you, if you watch it before we replay it again next week, if you can pause the video in some way, pause it like every three or four seconds, and then look into the background and look at pieces of paper that are just in this. Look on the chalkboards that he's got up there. Look at the back of the weight rooms. The attention to detail, the minutia, and I mean minutia in the best way possible that he is picking up and putting in these things. It is insane. So if you haven't watched it yet on Instagram or TikTok because you don't believe in any of that, hey, no problem. I get it. But you will be privy to it next week in the open of the show, or maybe it'll be in the second hour, depending on how things shake out. We'll see from there. But be ready for the latest and greatest Barbecue Central Shows edition brought to you by Doodles and Things, who's available for contract. All the way back in the first hour was Malcolm Reed, and then... It was first time for the show, Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com. Make sure you visit his website for his uh, sign up for his newsletter that comes out every Saturday. Second hour, Emily Detweiler, former CEO 
of KCBS talking about why she left, the things she was proud of, things they need to work on, all that fun stuff. Now at Associated Wholesale Grocer. And closing out the show with friend and longtime listener and pitmaster of Smoke and Joe's Pit Barbecue, Joe Martinez, talking about his mayo bindered brisket, which evidently is incredible. Dare I say life-changing? I'll say it, life-changing. Big show planned for you next week. As always, Meathead is in. Robert F. Moss is in, amongst others. Leanne Whitman. How do I always leave you? September 11, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host, the proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now! Hello, everybody. This is Gary Bay, Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, a.k.a. WLTV. And this is BBQ Central.